The reality is is now on Patreon, and here are some of our fabulous supporters. Tracy Newman. My presence is a gift, so remember the thank you note. Lily. Some people say I'm too much, but she's just starting. Marl Farsi. Reading is fundamental, and in Farsi, the reads are monumental. Tracy Masters. When you're the master of your own destiny, no one can take you down. Amanda Agosti. Some Amandas are tech spots, but this Amanda is as real as it gets. Ade Ade Dokun. It may look like I'm stirring the pot, but actually I'm just smoking it. Paula Bretrude. If you think I'm a bitch, you're probably right, and you probably deserved it. Lola Del Rio. Whatever Lola wants, Lola gets, and I get it all. Naveen Jonathan. I'll give you the shirt off my back, and also by unsolicited opinion. Jada. People are intimidated by my great success and my great ass. Deepa Kanapoli. Some people say I have secrets, but at least they're not federal indictments. Hadil Ibrahim. Some things are too hot to handle, like me and the tea I spill. Srinidhi Subramaniam. I have four degrees, eight syllables, and zero Fs to give. Shannon Anthony. There's no fun in moderation, but there's plenty of shade. Brianna Tooney. Some people strive for perfection, but I'm already there. Rita Ryan. Don't be fooled by my Midwest charm, because I'm nobody's fool. And finally, Beth The secret to my success is staying out of your BS. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. see is the back of my shirt is completely soaked in sweat because I think I'm still actively sweating off my fever. Hmm. I got the Derna booster really fucked me up, you guys. Like really bad. It's like if you don't die of imaginary things, you're trying to just feel miserable with like all the boosters you can get. Wait, hold on. Wait this a fucking like, second. Are you, are are you we, I'm like I'm, I'm trying this up. <laughs> No, no, I'm just saying that every time we get ready to record, (laughs) there's a health crisis happening. (laughs) And now I'm trying, I'm starting to think that maybe this is something that's... You are accusing me of Are you a hypochondriac? No, I'm not. I'm trying to do Munchausen by proxy. Yeah, (laughs) what the fuck? (laughs) <laughs> no, I legit, like, I was fine. And uh, then last night around 10 o'clock, I was like, oh, no. Mm. It really got bad. Like, yesterday, so we were originally supposed to, re- we usually record on Monday nights for our Potomac mm-hmm. in Salt Lake City. Mm-hmm. But last night, I was like, okay, I don't feel great. Mm. And I was like, I don't have enough time to record. And I think at that point, I was thinking to myself, I just have a lot to do. So mm-hmm. that's why I'm so tense. And then around 9 or 10 o'clock at night, I was like, no, no, this is real. I was like burning up, but also cold. So that's like usually You still have lots to do, but this is in addition to that. (laughs) Yes, the list is still. But also I kind of take this as like the universe telling me like, you know what? Maybe just sit this one out. Just sit down. How about that? 
So yeah. then like this morning I woke up at eight and put on my out of office and emailed my boss that I would be out of the office because I also have tomorrow off. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, I'm not available until Thursday. And then I took a shower and I came out of the shower and I've still I've like just essentially been sweating for the last three hours. <laughs> so I was like, no, 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 I can't. I can't go back to work. You are uh, getting close to the experience that I have with my menopausal half flashes. It's like. Yeah. It's like I the best place to sit is inside of a freezer. <laughs> no. Honestly. Like can I just go and sit inside the freezer? <laughs> yeah. Uh, fill up the bathtub with ice and just lay it. <laughs> Sounds glorious right now. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I am going through menopause. I don't know. Could, Could be No, anything. no, you're too young for that. Listen. Never yeah. say never. Uh, we're talking about Real Houses of Potomac in Salt Lake City today. And mm. which one would you like to get started with first? Ah, uh, let's do with Potomac. Let's start with, you know, where we left off. The G picking on Ashley and then they, sh- they come back home. <laughs> they go to dinner. Can I just say how adorable Ray and Karen are? They are, yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah. And, and I can see how they are adorable, but also like if you don't like them, I can see how that can be like, oh, enough already. We yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> so I found it adorable. Ray and Karen adorable. But then I also found all of the eye rolling to be on point too. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like totally. I can I was see like, that. They're so cute. Like they're dancing around, and Ray's just so happy. They they cut to this like one scene of everybody getting ready for dinner after they come back from the boat, and Ray takes the curling iron. He's like giggling to himself because he's pretending to use the curling iron. I was like, Ray, shut up! You're so cute. <laughs> 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 they have this luxurious yeah. crab boil and uh-huh. it's too cold for Gordon. <laughs> he goes inside. Everybody was out and Gordon goes says that it's too much. He goes in, but then he comes back out after a while. But it, it, the way he said it's too much and he goes in, I was wondering if he's going in for some pasta and coming back. Is that what's happening? Oh, Is he going to go check out something and then come oh, back? I wasn't wow. quite sure. Were people doing coke in your bathroom during the crab boil? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. Because um, yeah, he was I like, I'm cold, sure. my bones hurt. I was like, I get it. Like, I get yeah. when I get super cold and I can't function. I'm like, I'm going to go inside. But it was weird that he came back out. Because the people kept asking if he was okay afterwards. They're like, is he okay? Is he okay? Is he okay? I was like, why do they keep asking that? Why wouldn't he be okay? Yeah. I don't know. He needed something to get him pumped up again. Because even his voice changed. Like, like he when he was cold, his voice Yeah, was like he needed to wake up again. I don't know mm. what it was. So they're having this dinner, and I will have to ask, like, does Ashley sometimes get a bunch of questions from the producers to, like, ask during scenes? Because she's asking Eddie about his mom. Yeah. And it, it was so random. I was like, what the fuck is Ashley asking this question for? Like, are Ashley and Wendy even friends like that? Are Ashley and Eddie even friends like that? It was just, it came out of nowhere. Yeah, it did come out of nowhere. I actually thought, oh, that's nice of Ashley to remember and have a conversation with Eddie, who is also one of the hosts. That's mm. interesting that she's doing. I thought it was well-intentioned, but obviously you didn't. Nothing Ashley does on camera feels well-intentioned to me because mm-hmm. she always says it with like a shitty grin. Yeah. So yeah, she's all sure. like we don't know. She's like Giselle and Ashley. You can quite not quite trust. They you're like, what are they up to? Yes, for sure. What are they up to? That's going to be nasty. Exactly. Yeah. Now Gordon comes back after allegedly doing pasta, 
Mm-hmm. And I, you just made that into a fact <laughs> because you just I just said I it and now it's like it's going to be they're going to be like out in uh, like it, I we heard the Gordon was doing pasta. Okay, first of all, the day that it's going to be on Dumois are, or something. Okay, no, if, if the day that our podcast <laughs> is quoted in one of those like Us Weekly articles, like podcasters. <laughs> reality is had the tea <laughs> about Gordon doing pasta. Are you kidding me? Please. No, disclaimer. Don't no. ever, ever take anything yeah. that we're saying as fact. Okay? Mm-hmm. I did say allegedly. So Yeah, okay. Oh, that's, so we're safe. <laughs> but Gordon uh. comes back and he just keeps on picking on Ashley. And Ashley finally snaps back. But yeah. the funniest part of it is that they're fighting at the table and they're cutting to Karen getting loaded into a cake <laughs> by the Ostepos and carrying uh, over. Like, and it but just the- was like, and then, and then I cut to like Chris, brown dick Chris is like huddled over like a torch because he's cold. He's like just trying to stay warm. Uh, Mia and Karen, Mia and Ashley are fighting. Karen's being like brought over in a cake. It was just so silly. <laughs> The whole thing was so disjointed. <laughs> Robin is having a whole random, like as Ashley is yelling at G and asking him if he has Alzheimer's, Robin is like smiling and having a whole other conversation with somebody else. She's she having is, like a random it, side conversation. Yeah. And I was like, Robin, what are you doing? She's not even paying attention to this fight. Literally. That, like, that Giselle set up. Giselle is the one who set up that fight. Yeah, something about... <laughs> so Gordon says something to Giselle about sleeping. Giselle's yeah. like, don't go again with the sleeping stuff. Then Gordon starts picking at Ashley. Ashley snaps back. No, Gordon says... So Gordon comes back and they're like, how are you feeling? Whatever. And he's like, yeah, I could be doing something worthwhile right now. I could be sleeping. And he's actually taking a dig at Ashley. Ashley because Mia tells him under the breath oh don't mention that again she's gonna get upset if you keep saying that she'll get upset oh and so that's why Giselle says oh why would you is that all sorted out because you know Ashley was upset about it like have you sorted that out and so then he starts pretending that he doesn't know what she's talking about oh. this is all Gordon trying to be the jokester we established in scene one of this vacation that Gordon doesn't know how to say a joke right yeah he makes a joke and he laughs at it himself because he thinks he's funny but he's not people are still trying to figure out how to take him so he's trying to joke and pretend that he doesn't know what Ashley is talking about and he thinks people will just roll their eyes but Ashley takes offense and shows a lot more courage going after the patriarchy against Gordon than she ever has ever against Michael yeah like the, the whole notion of Ashley picking on Gordon about being an older uh, douchebag <laughs> is so hilarious. I'm like, Ashley, we thought you would be used to this since this is what this is how Michael is. I would be interested to see how Ashley would respond if Michael was there because I mm-hmm. feel like if Michael was there, he'd be making jokes along with Gordon. He would right. see Gordon and be like, we're best friends. Yeah. Why dicks and who? Yeah. I want to suck your dick, sir. Yeah. So that's what he would say. <laughs> He'd be like, gee, I like that. (laughs) (laughs) So Uh they get into this fight about Alzheimer's because Ashley says, what do you have, Alzheimer's? And Mia says, hey, wait a minute. That's not nice. (laughs) Alzheimer's is a real disease. Okay, I've heard many people (laughs) say Alzheimer's. 
Unfortunately, I know so many people that use that word. And I'm always like, whenever they say it, my whole body like convulses. And I'm like, that's not, stop. No, it's Alzheimer's. (laughs) What? Yeah. When did that become the way you say it? I don't understand. I haven't heard it. So I was like completely shocked. Like, what? Did she (laughs) just say Alzheimer's? I feel like I'm pretty sure I've heard Teresa say it that way. Like, (laughs) yeah. Teresa way. Yeah. Like, okay. Now I can see that. Yes. (laughs) Mia is is a Potomac Teresa in that way. Yeah. She just says it correctly. But then Mia also says something really fucked up where she says, Ashley needs a big black dick. I was like, oh, Mia, what are you doing? Yeah, and you know, it's Stop not actually it. so much as, you know, Michael who wants one. <laughs> <laughs> All of a sudden just like subsides. Yeah. And then it, I don't know if it subsides or it's just that finally <laughs> because it's lifted no, over. To- no. It doesn't subside. All of a sudden, through the darkness comes this huge <laughs> cake, cake with Karen feet. The cake has Karen feet. You can see her feet. She's literally walking underneath it in a blue sweater. It's so funny. And then like, <laughs> they make her walk, and they know you can see Karen underneath it. It's so funny. This is so stupid. It's so stupid because Ray is like, they're like, oh, we're going to surprise you. It's like, okay, you guys are like. He's so pleased. No, but it's so stupid because there's like, what, 12 or 14 of them together. Where did Ray think that Karen went? To the bathroom? Did she die? Like, what happened? But also, Ray is pleased, but you know in Ray's mind, he was like, is Katie in there? Please, God. (laughs) Give me Katie. No, you can see Karen's blue legs sticking underneath the, the cake is walking over. Ray knows it's Karen. He just is like, when he says, is she naked? He's, uh, he's probably more apprehensive than anything else. Don't tell me she's naked. Where do you think that cake came from? Party City? No, but like who went and picked it up? Because we know the Mary is 30 minutes away. So like who from production had to go and pick it up? Was it like Summer House where they have all these things like It was stored at the, the Marriott 20 minutes away. Along with, along with the, had to bring it Robin over. and Giselle. <laughs> so they come back, right, from the previous luncheon. They came back and yeah. they put Robin and Giselle in the upstairs room. That's what I didn't understand. So like, I didn't understand. You didn't go back to the hotel. So you you guys basically climbed up there. Don't you have to pee now? Don't you well, have to climb up yeah, now? Yeah, I didn't understand that they only spent one night at the Marriott. They didn't go, come back. Like they didn't go back to the Marriott after. I don't. I no, they, I, I think they're sleeping over there. But because they had to do a scene again in the evening, they just ended up staying at the house for the rest of the day while they were waiting. No, so they must have night, brought the change of clothes and all of that. No, because that night, um, the next morning when everybody's leaving, they're there. Oh, yeah. So I was like, did you guys end up staying? I didn't That's quite true. understand that. But mm. Robin, okay, Robin has a lot of complaining to do about the event. She's very <laughs> upset with the host. She doesn't understand why Wendy would do such a thing. And I just want to ask in five or six seasons, Robin, what have you ever hosted? Mm-hmm. We wa- we've had one that I can remember. Her engagement party. Oh, she did have her engagement party. Yes. Uh huh. And then the other thing that she did was she had a- <laughs> she had an open house for the house that she flipped. 
where Giselle oh, yes. and Monique got into a Yes, fight. yes. Those are the two events that she's ever done. Uh, she also did the Halloween at the Scarefest. They did an outdoorsy Halloween slash birthday party. I know that because Oh yeah. It was it was it was in one of the famous Halloween parks here. Oh yeah, that was like two seasons ago or last season. Yeah, it was two seasons ago. Yeah. But I'm like, none of the events that Robin has ever done have been like, she's never hosted a trip. Even Ashley hosted a trip her very first season. I mean, she sent them to Bethany Beach, but still. Mm -hmm. Then we see Karen's special cicada invitation. Cicada? Cicada. Cicada. It It was butterfly. But she might as well give in cicadas. At least... (laughs) But can you imagine if she had cicadas in the box? It would have been ticking. (laughs) (laughs) And then she sent instruction to open it outside. That would have been quite a quite a deal if she had just put cicadas inside. What's the deal with Uh, cicadas? Aren't they like they they take like several years, like decades? Yeah, the ones in our in our region take seventeen years. So they go back into the ground and they don't come out for seventeen years. Yeah. So I feel like if Karen had done Maybe if it was for her 17th year vow renewal, mm-hmm. she should have used cicada in the invitations. But yes. if somebody got me an invitation that was requested to be opened outside, I would say, I'm going to put it in the garbage. I would open it. I'm, curiosity. I'm too curious. I'm too curious. And that's why I would I'd probably die. But I would <laughs> open it. I mean, I I know that anthrax happened a long time ago, but that's a lot of a Karen to just be sending people mail like that. <laughs> White powder just yeah. comes poof. Yeah, exactly. I'm not trying to die, Karen. Okay, we see Mia, this thing about Mia's mom versus his her husband. And girl, okay, so Mia <sighs> apparently left her mother. Remember mm. the mother that is yeah. struggling with her sobriety? Mm. This mother, she left her with her children after berating her on national television multiple times. Then she yes. left her children with her mother. With whom they haven't spent a lot of time. So these are not kids that her mother knows how to deal with. Yes. And she apparently called a couple of times to find out what the kids should be eating or texting Mia about it. Mia got overwhelmed. And after two hours, she came back and she said, no, thanks. I'm not going to let you watch my kids anymore. Now, what was confusing was Mia is away at this thing in Chesapeake. For several Mm -hmm. days. Then she says, after we came back, Gordon and I decided to do a staycation overnight at some hotel. Yeah, they went away for a staycation overnight. But what doesn't make sense to me is you already left the kids with your mom for two days. And that wasn't a problem. But for some reason, because you were at a staycation and she texted you a couple of times, she said she came back two hours later. It didn't make sense to me. But regardless, this happened. Gordon gets on the phone. He starts to cuss out the mother. The mother's like, I'm not dealing with you they have a, 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 a an argument in front of the children at the house all of it made me very uncomfortable to watch because mm-hmm. this is again mia who said that candace saying that her mother's low budget could make her relapse but mia doesn't understand how her husband talking down to her mother and fighting with her mother in front of her children mm-hmm. could potentially also have her spiral. Like, Mia, you made a choice to have your mom watch your kids. Your mom had a lot of questions about watching your kids, supposedly after two days, despite 
not having any issues. And then you decided to just like blow the whole thing up and sit on camera and cry. It just, it felt phony to me. It felt weird to me. It felt like she was exploiting her mother for a storyline. It made me uncomfortable, but all it reminded me of was this is Sheila versus Michael all over again. Like we've seen the storyline with Ashley's mother. We're now seeing it again between Gordon and Mia's mother. And it's just Mm -hmm. all always uncomfortable. It's always yeah. fucking weird. It is. And it the way Gordon starts talking about it is, I don't want to put her on full, on blast, but what she did was wrong. And then they go into this whole description of how the mother was in the wrong and how Mia was put in, uh, in between Gordon and her and how it's the mother's fault and how she cannot leave the kids with them. And I'm like, that woman, does, poor woman is no longer here. She's not in the scene. Yeah. And that scene was in film. So now you're going to put her on blast. You said you won't don't want to but yes you are you're bringing her up as a bad mother and a bad grandmother on national tv and somehow making it all about yourself which is not the case you if it was about yourself you would not be exploiting her but you are which tells me that you just don't care about her whether she did something wrong or not is besides the point you don't care about the relationship because you're putting it on blast it just felt icky i was like team mom because yeah. I don't know if she did something wrong. Uh, from what the way they're treating her in absentia, I don't trust them to really believe their story. Yeah. And also, like, if Mia is so triggered by her mom doing something and it reminds her of her own childhood, then maybe you shouldn't be letting your mom watch your kids. Mm-hmm. If you're not healed enough in your relationship with your parent, where you are going to be triggered by things that your parent does with your children, then don't let your parent watch your children. Or do it for like short periods of time first. Get the children and the grandparent used to each other and their parenting styles too, because Mia's mom probably has a different parenting style than her. It just doesn't but... make any sense because this is Mia who in the beginning of the season was like, we've never even hung out with the kids. It's Mm -hmm. been two years. We've never hung out. We've been living close to each other for two years. We've never hung out. To now, you have like two scenes with getting ice cream with her, once getting drinks with her, and now you're ready to leave the kids. And apparently in Chesapeake, it goes fine. But then once you're like nearby, it's an issue. Like it, Mm -hmm. it just, again, very exploitive. It just came out very phony to me and it just made me feel yeah, like me too. it just made me not like any of them. Oof. Tell you who I do love. I love Giselle's daughters. Yeah. Giselle has a scene with her daughters where her daughters just read her to filth. Yeah. They're like, we don't know about relationships because you're cold. We and don't know we're afraid have, that you're yeah. going to be dying in Cressy alone because you're so cold. <laughs> They're like, yeah, we don't want you to die alone. They are so blunt and to the point, which is very much a Giselle character. But at the same time, they're like, we are nervous about relationships and we don't know how we're going to navigate them because we haven't seen it. But also, to some extent, they're saying your response to breaking up with our dad is not normal either. You're ignoring, you're pretending it never happened, that you never got together. You don't go through a makeup and a breakup or any of that. We don't see you react, so we don't know how to react in a similar situation yeah it's interesting because even when she broke up with sherman Mm -hmm. it was very much like sherman's not coming around anymore yeah giselle is somebody who clearly laughs off her pain and she Mm -hmm. will make jokes about her own pain and the Mm way the places where you see her pain manifest is when she's being nasty to her friend when she's Mm. being nasty to her coworkers, when she's being nasty to Karen, that is where Giselle is pushing her pain. She's not actually dealing with the 
problems head on. And later on in this, the episode where she has that therapy scene, mm-hmm. you can tell in Giselle's face that she was expecting this to be just a scene that she was filming for a camera. Yeah. And yeah. suddenly it got too real. And that's why the therapist even says, you look vulnerable right now. I've never seen Giselle yeah. look that way on the show in five or six seasons, yeah. however many seasons it is. I've never seen her look that way on camera. So I think Giselle very much treats the show like a job. She's a character. She's a, She makes mm-hmm. her little jokes. She makes her digs. She makes her shade. She shows her daughter. She lets her daughters like read her to filth. There's a humor in that. Giselle is very much a producer. So this book that came out uh, by mm-hmm. Dave Quinn, not all mm-hmm. Housewives and Rosé or not some, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. The new book by Dave Quinn, in it, every time Giselle talks, Giselle is very much a producer. She's constantly yeah thinking about what is going to make good tv yeah and i think that showing any part of her personal life beyond what she controls is not really something she's interested in even when she says she's dating someone yeah she doesn't want to talk about who she's dating because giselle from the beginning has been very selective about the things that she shares about herself but she'll only share things about herself that are things that she can joke about right she's not actually willing to be vulnerable yeah she gets vulnerable in that moment in the in the doctor's office but she's not the only one that does the producing i've seen so Karen was on Watch What Happens Live After and she and Andy was asking her questions about why did you send dead moths to people? And she's like, no, they were butterflies, but they have to be stored cold. So they're sort of hypothermic. So that's why they're, you know, they don't fly away and they don't hurt themselves until you open them. And then they, once they warm up, they fly. Mm-hmm. And um, she did a whole Ramona Eyes segment and she didn't know who Whoopi Goldberg was or who Ramona was. And she was like, I don't watch TV. It was a fiasco. And then she, as she comes back, everybody's laughing that it was such a mess. And then she's like, but it made good TV. And she's like, she's so aware that this still makes good TV. Even when she goofs up, it makes good TV. So for Giselle, it's like every time she picks on somebody, it makes good TV. When she's shady, it's good TV. But she's not really showing her real emotions. That's why I feel like what we see of both Giselle and Robin on this on the show is not what they are in real life, which is what I got when I listened to the podcast. It was a whole different dynamic between the two of them. This so show is now sponsored by Shady and Reasonably Shady Podcast because we've mentioned it multiple times. Yeah, I know. They should send us something. <laughs> They should send us a box of death dead moths. So yeah. I agree with you. I think that everybody does produce. The, yeah. the difference is that Karen is so clearly a producer. Like Karen is a caricature. Like mm-hmm. Karen is not a real human being. Karen is <laughs> like she literally came on the show and said she is the grand dame. Like even even Giselle said like Karen likes to do these over the top invitations because mm-hmm. she thinks that this is grand. Like she mm-hmm. thinks that these are yeah. grand gestures. By a fancy lady. Like, that is a part of it that is hilarious about Karen because she produces herself to be a literal caricature of a human being Mm -hmm. who is, like, you know, a wise, wealthy woman. Mm -hmm. Giselle's character is still Giselle. Giselle is still like, I'm not a character. This is who I am. But she's still producing herself to be like a comedian and a little like shady monster and like a green eyed Mm -hmm. bandit. Like there's still a lot of her hiding who she is. With Karen, you don't think about it as much because she is such a clown. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, So it's a little bit different. Yeah. We see Ashley go to therapy and even her therapist Uh, is not sold about Michael being faithful. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
It's so weird. And then Ashley makes everybody uncomfortable. Like, going, yeah. Having a scene with Michael. It's wild because she Ugh. has this scene with her therapist. Her therapist is clearly not sold about Michael being honest or being, like, truthful in that he's not sleeping with somebody else while she's mm-hmm. he's not sleeping with her. And it's wild because Ashley's takeaway from that is for some reason to subject us to watching her seduce Michael. And I don't understand that because what I took away from that therapist was like, look at my eyes, they're red flags. Look yeah. at my face. Yeah. I'm telling you that there's a problem. Right. I'm telling you to have a conversation. Mm-hmm. And Ashley is like, I took the therapist's advice, so I got a room here at the Watergate Hotel. That Michael owned at one point. And you just sent me an, a text message of they're trying to sell the Watergate Hotel and it didn't, it failed again. They couldn't sell it. They had a deal and it fell through. And I'm like, maybe they saw the Michael and Ashley scene and they were like, nope, this building needs to be raised all the way down to the ground. Yeah, fumigating it is not going to be enough. This is like the second worst thing that has happened to the Watergate (laughs) Hotel. It's no longer historic, it's infamous and needs to be raised down to the ground. <laughs> the funniest thing about that whole seduction scene is that, like, you know, Ashley's done all this stuff. She's in this like sexy outfit. She greets him with coronas. <laughs> and the funniest thing about it is it's not until she starts to talk about one that it's like it's foreplay. It's like foreplay. It's she weird. Talks about, <laughs> yeah, she brought up other people, other men, and then he was like, but one, 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 one. He goes on and on, and he's like feeding the camera, right? He's like, if I keep saying one, people are going to say, oh, yeah, he likes one, and that's going to be his storyline. Everybody knows that he loves one, right? But then he also, that seems to be an aphrodisiac. <laughs> I'm telling oh you, I don't think that it's even a uh, him. You didn't need I, the water gate, Ashley. All you had to do was put up Juan's posters all over. Yeah, the- get like a fat head. You know the fat heads where like you yeah. get like a life size sticker up. So just get like one of those for your bedroom because yeah, it felt like I don't even know if it was um it was Michael being a producer. I think Michael is genuinely obsessed with Juan Dixon. She starts to talk to him about what Juan, and then. As soon as he starts to like want to talk about it more, she's like, okay, yeah, that's enough. Okay, I'm going to put this. And like, it almost is like, that is the trigger. Like, she's like, okay, talking about Juan for 30 seconds is like his Viagra. Like, yeah, it's his Viagra. (laughs) Penis has entered the building. Like, his boner is here. Let's go. Because she's like, all right, great. Yep. Like, it worked. Let's go. Like, that's, and it's very, very obvious that that is the case. Oh, my God. We also had a scene with Wendy and her mom, which I thought was oh, hilarious. Which was, which was hilarious, but also almost, it, it felt like verbatim a, a scene that could happen in any one of our homes. It has happened in my life. Has happened. Yeah. They have apologized. We have not heard that apology. It just went into ether somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> the parents apologized, but it went into ether. Of course we said sorry. Of course we were aware of it. But also I understand where they're coming from. They're like, we were given an opportunity and we have to make the best of it. We are going to push you to do the best. 
I just it's love what, that. I love that Wendy brings all this stuff up, and then she's like, "You never said sorry to me, right?" And her mom tells her the story of, "I remember I came home from work, and I said to you, sorry, I have to work.'" And Wendy's face is like, "When the fuck did that happen?" <laughs> and I know this exact conversation because I've had it with my own parents. Right. I've said to my mom, "I apologize to my kids at bedtime. I say this yeah. to my kids. I say sorry if I lost my temper." And my mom has been like, wow, yeah, that is a really good thing that you do. And I'm like, yeah, it would have been nice if you did that to us. And she goes, I did. I would apologize to you guys all the time. And I was like, yeah. in what language? Because I certainly didn't hear it. <laughs> Not but in I just, three languages I know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I just loved that the at the end of the photo shoot, everybody, even the crew was like, we're sorry. Like, we're sorry. Everyone <laughs> <is> sorry. <laughs> all the Nigerians in the room were like, you are like my mom. Like they were feeling so bad because they were all going through individual guilt. But here's the deal. Like, Anywhere else in the, the immigrant community and anywhere else in the world where it's crowded, it's about growth of the community and as mm-hmm. growth of your family. So you you do everything you do in your life to grow your family and to sustain it and grow your community. And it's about the survival of the community. It, only in, in America, it's the survival of the individual. Yes. So it's about individuality. Yes. And it's not, it's a whole, completely a stark difference from how the rest of the world operates everywhere else it's about the community but here it's about your individual pursuits and your individual goals and your dreams which is not how the rest of the world operates so it's a fundamental difference in how the world operates yeah outside of us versus here and so it's a quintessential argument in every immigrant home is yeah. where the American-born or raised child want, is um, leaning towards the individualism that they see around them, and they want to be able to have the freedom to do so. But the immigrant parent does not sees sees the whole of it and the how we fit into the whole community and the the whole machinery is how they see it. It's yeah. not about you being outside of the big machine, right? Yeah. So uh, I think both of those are extremes. Both of them have positives and negatives because when you become too individualistic, then you don't see yourself as part of a whole. And that's why we have a hard time getting people to get vaccines and believe in climate change because you're all like, my individual right and my yeah, individual. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, Do you know what would have happened if I talked about my individual rights as a person uh, in my parents' house? You would have gotten a tight slap. A, t- <laughs> a nice across your tight face. slap across my face. Yep. All right. You know who I want to give a nice tight slap to? Who's that? Dewey from Real Housewives to Salt Lake City. No, I know. Okay. To be. So Salt Lake City, Ugh. Dewey and Jenny are talking about this conversation. Okay. Can we just can we just be fucking real for a second? I'm sorry, but this shit is fake. I don't think it's fake. I think he think he's thirsty and he is so I was so mad that he would make her feel that way. I mean, they're trying to, even she is trying to, you know, sort of paint the picture that he's coming from a place of hurt and he's coming from a place of, you know, this is normal in our culture and it's normal. So it's not abnormal for him to think about it. It is abnormal for him to say something that is so hurtful to her. It's like, how do you discount, how do you call her your best friend, but discount the enormous pain, physical 
and mental pain that she has gone through and she will go through if you put her through this. Like he's rather she die than not have more children. What kind of selfishness is that? Well, not even like that. what? She'd rather she die and not. Or he, her, her options are this. He's yeah. like, here's your options. Either you have another baby for me and almost die again uh-huh. and can inflict your body with all kinds of pain and trauma, or you can let me get another wife so I can put my sperm in somebody else's uterus. Yes. Are you fucking what kidding a dis- me? That's a disgusting human thing. This cannot be fake only because nobody puts that into the uh, into the world. It is so disgusting. If it was calculated, you would not put it. Put it into the world. That's where I feel like this is not unreal because it has to be real because nobody in their right mind would put this in into the public sphere. Well, see, that's if it was calculated. This is I, not calculated. Either okay, right? So either they are actually either he's an actual thirsty psychopath, either they are genuinely this deranged. And also, can we just point out the fact that he kept being like, as a physician, he's not a fucking you're physician. You're not a physician. Fuck you. Okay, I looked at And I'm not against any other thing, but no, you are giving yourself a a self-import that is not important. You're not. No. You are not a physician because if a physician would say, would save your wife's health first, would put your wife's health before your own selfish needs or wants, really. It's not a need. It's a want. Yeah, exactly. Also, you're not a physician. Also, like the yes. fact of the matter is, you did not go to med school. You're not a physician. Because I looked him up. I was like, Dewey, when Dewey Tran, chiropractor. I looked him up. Nowhere, nowhere in the world can you see that Dewey was ever a actual medical doctor. He did not yeah. go to med school. I looked it up. He is a chiropractor. And I'm not saying that all chiropractors are bad. I know that there are people who love going to chiropractor. There is plenty of ways to find healing that is outside Listen, as of somebody medicine. who has experienced the Theragun, I can vouch for chiropractic. <laughs> That's not what we are talking about here. No, we're talking about the fact that this is a man who, one, calls himself a physician when he's not, refuses to see his wife's pain, is giving her two ultimatums of whether or not... Here's the, here's the other fucked up thing. He's like, oh, uh, you should consider polygamy. You should consider having another baby. And when she's like, I think you should consider going to therapy, he's like, there's nothing wrong with me. Yeah. What? So what is the therapist going to tell me? New Anything new? Nothing. No. Yeah. He is the worst kind of toxic male that is very common to our culture. I'm sorry. I know some pretty toxic fucking guys, and I've never experienced this type of toxicity. No, I have seen. I have seen. No, I have seen this kind of toxic uh, people, and I've seen this kind of conversation. Not not the polygamy conversation per se, but the uh, disrespect of a woman's choice and her, uh, you know, putting her in danger kind of conversation. Yes, I have seen it. It's being self centered and selfish and. You know, your wants are more important and your happiness is more important than anything else. That is just disgusting. Well, also, it's it's treating your partner like they are a commodity or an investment that you can get something out of. Yeah. It's like you owe me this. Why? I don't owe my husband anything. My yeah. husband doesn't owe me anything. We are right. together because we love each other and there is a mutual respect and a mutual love for the other person's existence, Mm -hmm. regardless of what they bring to the table. 
There are things that they bring to the table when you start dating, but that shit doesn't fucking matter when real life happens. And Mm -hmm. it seems like Dewey is still treating Jenny like she is some sort of vehicle for his amusement or joy or fulfillment. That's what Mm -hmm. he's treating Jenny like. Oh, like I will feel like my life is complete if I have 50 kids or I feel like I need to have more children. Like who gives a shit what you want? If you yeah. really want to have it, you know, honestly, it almost is setting it up for Dewey to like just step out of his marriage. Like, I don't know if they already have cheating rumors. I don't yeah, know if he already That's has what I a, feel a, like a, he's making up an excuse for having done something already. I feel like he has a kid, a couple of kids already. Yes, exactly. Or he has a kid in uh, a bun in the oven somewhere. Exactly. And he's that's just trying what it feels to make, like it's yeah, setting yeah. up. All right. Well, I don't want to talk about this toxic couple anymore. I do want to talk about Seth and Meredith who go to dinner. And I just want to ask, is Mark's <laughs> Do we home... have to talk about Seth and Meredith? Seth is giving me the creeps. Okay. I want to ask how many drugs are being done in the Mark's family because Seth is fucking hopped up. <sighs> yeah. Like, yeah. I know he clearly was high as shit on something. Yeah. His eyes are bright red. Mm-hmm. When he comes to dinner, Meredith is like barely able to hold a conversation with him because she's almost like, you're too high for this conversation. Yeah. It just, he's so intense. He's always like, I want to fuck my wife. Like, I yeah. hate it. It feels so fake. So, so fake. fake. So fake that I expect a divorce announcement coming soon because they cannot sustain that. This cannot no. be sustained. This is just... He has to be so high or drugged up to be romantic to him. She's like, we learned how to communicate. Is this the communication that you wanted, Meredith? This feels like so weird. It's so weird. She was like, I need you to help more with the kids. He's like, I'll do whatever you want and I'll do it naked. Like, that's not what she asked for. Yeah. Like, what's going on? (laughs) What is going on with you, man? What's going on in uh, in Utah? I don't understand. The ladies go snow tubing two hours away. That's 60 minutes twice, as Mary said. <laughs> they have a conversation in the car about <laughs> carbonation hardening your ovaries. Mm-hmm. Did you Google that? <laughs> no. <laughs> because you respect Mary Cosby. That's why you didn't Google it. I didn't Google it. I'm not Googling it. I don't want I don't want her to sing Jesus Christ on me. <laughs> I'm too scared of Mary Cosby. Oh my god. I'm gonna Google it. Carbonation, hardening, hardens ovaries. No! How would that no? Uh, It's not going into your ovaries. It's going into your stomach. Carbonation adds gas, and there may be some carbonates formed and it can affect your kidneys. Not your ovaries, kidneys. That's where carbonation goes. Okay, so there's like a long, long-winded way of talking about this. So it's not carbonation, but beverages like soda can spike insulin levels. And insulin levels, when they're spiked, can mess with your hormones in very, very, very rare cases, especially if you have some sort of a diagnosed hormonal issue. And that can cause issues with your ovaries and fertility if you have been clinically diagnosed with something. It has nothing to do with carbonation. No, it doesn't. And even that what you're reading seems, it's so many steps removed. It's yes, not that. exactly. Exactly. It's, it has nothing to do with carbonation. It might It's not carbonation. Some, it's all the other stuff that goes into those drinks. It's not the carbonation. Yes, exactly. It's exactly. the artificial stuff that goes into sodas 
Yeah. But in Mary general. says it. If Mary says it, it's fact. You don't have mm-hmm. to Google anything. You RP. don't Google. Yeah, no. And that's what, <laughs> you know, Lisa, I don't know where, she was not even being sarcastic. But then Lisa takes it so um, seriously. She's like, are you okay, Mary? And if you're not, then we have to have a conversation. But this is not okay. And I'm like, what? Lisa wants to be well-liked by everyone. I've noticed this about Lisa. Like this episode was a lot about Lisa being liked or Lisa having confrontations. I think Lisa is somebody who puts in a lot of effort to look good, feel good, be liked, be successful. And I think that Lisa validates herself based on her friendships and how well how how much she likes how well liked she is but she also is so obsessed with her own image that i think that she doesn't realize when she's being nasty to people like we all are sometimes we are nasty to people. we talked about this in our bonus episode which we put on the regular thing lisa is tom from succession <laughs> yes yes it's like exactly. everything you described Yes. Is Tom from Succession. <laughs> yes, exactly. So Lisa even like saying something as a joke and then Mary getting upset. Yeah. Lisa had to go up to Mary and say, hey, are we okay? Are we okay? And then when Mary <laughs> says, what, because I'm black, you have to Google what I say? It, then Lisa's like, oh shit, now I look like a racist? Like yeah. in her mind, she's like, oh fuck, oh fuck, oh fuck. Yeah. Like, that's when she starts to like really lose it. Right. And then- right. And then suddenly Jenny gets involved. Jenny's like, everybody stop fighting. Let's move the fuck. Out. Like Jenny does too much. She Fire. gets too hot. She does too much. There's so much misdirected rage happening at the snow tubing event. There's totally. like, it's such a clunky, weird gathering. There's like Sasquatch costumes. Angie is there. Um, it's just a lot that I didn't quite understand. By the time they all get to lunch, several things have happened that make me feel like if I was a person that was in that group, I would be like, what the fuck kind of fever dream is this? Yes. What have we been doing? Mary yes. comes snow tubing in a pair of heels. So I don't think she was even planning to do anything. <laughs> she wanted to look cute. She Mary just wants to do things where she looks cute. She doesn't want to do all of this physical activity. It's not up her alley. This is not what she likes to do. And they keep pulling her into these... Uh, activities that they have to do mary just wants to look pretty and eat and sit around the table that's what she does she wants to do but this is like activity after activity for mary it's just too much it's like really i'm walking up a mountain i'm done she just tubes down one time and she's like i'm done what did she say about being constipated to heather oh she talks about uh, that this is like if you if you got up in the morning and you you got a good bowel movement then you feel like you have you've done your stuff you have done you have achieved everything for that day you don't have to go up the mountain I get it I get it Mary I agree <laughs> I can't believe well I'm that's what I thought Mary. she said I don't know I, it, was it was very kind confusing of like because her mic I think had like too many of her scarves on it so everything yeah. Mary was saying was coming off really muffled. but that's what and I, I got like, out can of you give it. us some subtitles because I need <laughs> yeah. to understand what Mary just said she's like Heather's just sitting next to her and Heather's like are you okay are you having fun and Mary says something about a bowel movement and being constipated and it almost feels like Heather was even like I have no idea what she just said but I'm not gonna question her because she just yelled at Lisa about Google 
So, like, I can't say anything to her right now. And then they get to this lunch and they have this confrontation between Angie and Lisa, which, like, I was like, who cares? I don't care about this. But Lisa starts crying and she just wants everybody to get off her back. But the thing that cracks me up about Lisa is Lisa's, like, She's always convinced that whatever happened is a miscommunication and it's a misunderstanding. And she's like, because it's a misunderstanding, you don't deserve to be upset with me. Like Lisa's thing is my intentions weren't bad. Mm -hmm. You misunderstood what I was trying to do. So Mm. it's your fault that you're upset. I think Lisa thinks everybody is having a private experience. Right. And so she doesn't think that she has to apologize for anything Mm -hmm. because she feels like if she has to apologize for something, then she has to admit that she did something wrong. And Lisa, who is very careful about her image, would never do anything wrong. Yeah. Again, Tom from Succession. Yeah. (laughs) She's like, okay, what do we? Yeah. She's like, why are you upset? I did nothing wrong. And now you're on top of me about this. So I think she gets uncomfortable even crying on camera. Then Mm -hmm. Jenny and Mary are sort of talking, but Jenny's not really even talking to Mary, which Mary brought up a great point. Like, you're apparently apologizing for what happened, but you're not even looking at me, which Mm -hmm. I think I would completely be. It's it's a bizarre world, okay, that every episode I'm watching this fucking show and I'm like, why am I agreeing with the lady who's fucking her grandpa? I don't think actually she's not fucking her grandpa. She fucked her grandpa once. Yeah. She did it once. That's why she doesn't think it's a big deal because she did it once. But at the same time, she's like, she's making sense because you like, why is Dewey is the one that you take it out on. You don't take it out on these women. And why it was just weird that Jenny was there. It was the anniversary of her daughter's death and she's all emotional about it. And she just took it out on them. And then she just told them the story. They didn't know that. It It was was bizarre. It was like, you come in, you see that somebody is arguing. Like, I get when you're at an event and you see two people arguing and then you're like, come on, guys. Like, let's just go and have fun. Yeah. Right? But her being like, everybody, shut the fuck up. Like, I'm here to party. Like, it's so random. And it's such an extreme reaction to something that has nothing to do with you. And then for later on to be like, I'm just having a bad day. First, she says... I'm having, I just don't like to be talked to that way because I'm Asian. Yeah. And I was like, uh, what? Nobody talked to you anyway, any particular way. They were talking to each other and you inserted yourself. Exactly. And then it almost feels like she knows that that doesn't make any sense. So then she says, but really I'm upset because it's my daughter's death anniversary. It was just all very. It felt like they were all off their medications and they were just (laughs) going off on stuff. They were super irritable and they were going off on stuff. This is what happened. This is why I'm not a cold person. I cannot be in Utah <laughs> because the cold would annoy the fuck out of me. I would be irritable too. So I like warm weather. And I think some of these women need to be in warm weather too. Yeah, it's possible. Like, yeah. I, it, like Mary has never got Mary has never done snow tubing or skiing. She doesn't quite know what, what it entails. She shouldn't be in Utah. Why is she in Utah? She should be elsewhere. Well she, she can't can have go a anywhere church else. Yeah. She has a house in Miami. I don't think she's allowed into that house in Miami. <laughs> <laughs> I think Robert Sr. makes it sure that she doesn't go to the house in Miami. She doesn't know where the houses are. Yeah. She wouldn't even <laughs> she know just, how to get an address. Right. 
That's but yeah, true. I just feel like the chemistry in the season is weird. Like, yeah. I like these silly fights. I think the fight between Mary and Lisa was hilarious. Mm-hmm. But it just feels weird. It just feels yeah. like a weird group. I'm not quite understanding why when Lisa is feels like she's quote unquote being attacked, why Jen and Meredith aren't saying anything. Mm-hmm. I need Jen Shaw to get arrested so we can like get the ball rolling here because I'm right. kind of bored and I'm just getting annoyed watching these husband wife scenes. Like <sighs> it's all, yeah. it's too upsetting. It's not fun. I and like I don't want to see Dewey anymore. I, I don't really want don't. to see Dewey I, anymore. I think he's too triggering. He's too triggering. He represents everything that's wrong with men the in the world. Well, yeah, I don't. I don't want keep Dewey out. Keep Michael out. Keep G out. I don't want to see any any of these men anymore. Yeah, Let's I watch Real Housewives. I'm not watching Real Husbands. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would That's be very happy this. never seeing these men again. I don't need to see husband scenes. Yeah, yeah. I'm more interested in relationships with the women, friendships between women, that mm-hmm. stuff. I'm not interested in seeing these women and their husbands. Because I already know that these women and their husbands, there has to be some fucked up shit for them to agree to go to, on this show. Mm-hmm. Nobody yeah. who is happy in their life, in their relationship, is agreeing to go on these shows. Okay? Right. Right. So I don't need to see these husbands. but Right. Anyway. All right. Anyway. Oh, well. Oh, well. Oh, well. Well, mm-hmm. um, that was it. Yeah. That was it. We'll talk to you guys that on Saturday. Um, if Noor survives. Okay, I'm fine. I already felt my, I feel like my rage came out seeping. My fever came out in the seeping rage. You broke. The fever broke. The fever broke as I was raging against these bullshit okay. men okay. on Bravo. Oh, good. So I'll be here and, on Saturday. And so I saved you yet again. Okay. You did. <laughs> The reality is is now on Patreon, and here are some of our fabulous supporters. Jesse Willis. I may not run in traffic, but I'll give you a run for your money. Rody. When you work in quality assurance, perfection comes easy. Tori Tuchilo. When Tori steps on the scene, you are his story. Eugene Henderson. In the game of life, I choose Jeopardy. Maria M. Where I come from, they sing God Save the Queen. The truth is, it's actually me. Becca Simon. If you can't stand the heat come to minnesota jill hirsch your petty drama can't take this warrior down jamie all some people call me cold but it's not me it's that minnesota weather sarah gibbs you may not like the cut of my jet but that's what you get from sarah gibbs richie d if you can't be cool you can't be with caduce megan shaw i may be a model but i'll never be your model minority samaj bledson the fun bus is here and i'm driving on the turn Pike. Eleanor Manning. I run with a fabulous circle of people, and they're not even on my payroll. Danny McLaughlin. First, I came out, and now I'm coming for everything. Kelly Paper. I may be from down under, but don't ever underestimate me. Seiran Hayati. In Sweden, we have ABBA, IKEA, and if you mess with me, some other four-letter words. Jessica Riley. Where I come from, money can buy you anything, but I'll take the garbage plate. Chastity Davis. Don't be fooled by my name. The only thing I abstain from is your bullshit. Sarah Watkins, Philstein. Playtime is over. This mom means business. Laura Zielinski. Whether it's breast
breast pumping or fist bumping, this mama brings the party. Jill Walsh. I made it up the hill myself and I'll kick any jack off. And finally, diamonds aren't a girl's best friend. John Friedman is.